0: Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you already know. It? I think that's we, how it we always went goes. We've like for 45
1: minutes like, and we're at like <laughs> Chelsea <Schultz together. laughs> now. What about- are we doing? <laughs>
0: Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt and we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey,
1: it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back welcome back to top bins going up on a tuesday night rather than our typical monday of course because you know we had to get at least one round of champions league in before we could record i'm your host matt joined by my co-host dom dom how are you doing this tuesday evening
0: i'm feeling so fresh and so clean
1: <laughs> if you're if you're not watching dom has a fresh cut today he looks fantastic Ooh, he look, looks at great.
0: look at these look at these it's my first haircut in like a month so I am.
1: I was going to be nice and, and not mention it, but you really needed it, buddy. Uh, but I need one too, so listen, I, I can't hate
0: it too much. Listen, I I know I needed it. it. It it's bad when you know your students are like, damn, you got mad gray hairs, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because they all grow in right here, and I couldn't get my hair cut for a whole month, and now you see all the stress that you guys put me through
1: so now, now you've been blessed at least you're not at black ice stage once you get to that maybe uh, oh my
0: god the hairline's going
1: nah you're good for a while we don't have to worry right here about that right you see that straight <laughs> line right across? Oh, fantastic. Uh, before we get into the main episode, got to mention, uh, this episode is brought to you by Bino Board. That is B-I-N-H-O Board. Uh, Binio is the next big tabletop game for your man cave slash she shed. We don't discriminate here. Neither does Binio Board. Uh, think paper football meets foosball, and you've got bino Binio Board is a game and lifestyle brand based in Phoenix, Arizona. The goal is to provide the highest quality boards and a true brand experience. Every part of their boards have been tested time and time again for the best possible playability so that every flicker's experience is a positive one. You can bring the world together with Binio and hear someone's story from the other side of the pitch. Go to BinioBoard.com. Use our code BinioUSP for 10% off your order. That is Binio, B-I-N-H-O-USP for 10% off your order. Including the newly launched Team USA World Cup board and merch. That is code BinioUSP for 10% off your order at Board. Dot com. Don, let's get right into it because we had a fantastic game. One of the, I think, most uh, highlighted and most anticipated games of the season so far uh, in, in either of the leagues we cover. Really, any of, of the European leagues. Manchester City 2, Liverpool 2. It certainly didn't disappoint in terms of theatrics, drama, and the actual pace of the game and, and the quality of it. Uh, I think the only thing that maybe uh, the neutrals would have wanted was a clear winner because that probably gives a stronger narrative. However, I would argue that a draw is actually better for the drama of the rest of the season because it's as close as it possibly can be, um, and you know you, you'll go into every game now anticipating whether City or Liverpool drop points and what that can yeah. mean for the title.
0: Yeah, this is this is a this is a very interesting, for, for, like you said, from the neutral perspective. This is a very entertaining and interesting result. Um, it was a back and forth game. Uh, Liverpool having some very good chances. Uh, more. Sorry, no, not more total shots. But um, it, it seemed like Liverpool for most of the game had had more quality chances, shots on goal and things like that. And then they wouldn't they wouldn't go to sleep, right? They go down, they come right back eight minutes later. They go down again, they come right back nine minutes later. So like it it you know these teams I think are a lot more level than than people want to maybe say you know people always say city is the best but Liverpool's up there and, and they showed it in this game
1: yeah I mean this is you know 2-2 in the first game between these these teams and 2-2 in this one and I think honestly too this this game followed a lot of that same scripts a lot of the same beats from the first game that they played all the way back in October uh, City were probably the better team in the first half of that game as well uh, probably had the better chances but Liverpool you know, obviously get a, a lot of momentum in the second half. And you saw that literally a minute into the second half of this one, Sadio Mane scoring. Um, and yeah, I just think, you know, City were probably the better team overall in this game, probably had the better, you know, opportunities. I think they had a little bit more of the possession, um, definitely put Liverpool under pressure more. But Liverpool, I think, were very efficient in what they had. Uh, they didn't have a, as many, you know, uh, perhaps possession chances, shot chances, uh in high quality areas like city did but when they they were able to make shots when they were able to make those chances they were very uh, efficient with what they did um six shots to 11 uh in favor of city but Liverpool's six shots four of them are on target two of those are goals uh that's you know that's what you're looking for you know you're not going to get tons and tons of chances against this city team um and i thought both of liverpool's goals were perfect beautiful goals um they have a history now of, of going away to city in these big total clashes and scoring like one of the best goals of the season um and you saw that for both of them and i think we're very emblematic of the way Liverpool want to play um yeah i, I think this is this is this was just a fantastic game it's it's one of the best you're ever going to see there's a ton of discussion i think over the weekend coming into this one about um is this the best the Premier League has ever had in terms of rivalry I know a lot of people talked up I don't think unfairly about Arsenal versus United that to me felt more uh for the off the field narrative though uh, you obviously had the you know Keane and Vieira rivalry You had Ferguson and Wenger which was a big rivalry there's a lot of harsh words between them um and I just don't know that those types of riffs especially publicly are ever going to happen again because players and managers and everyone I think is a lot more connected Uh, there's not that kind of tribalism that exists anymore which is probably for the better if we're being frank I think in terms of quality of play there's no rivalry in the Premier League that's come close I think the only thing this is in the tier for me personally I don't even know that this is controversial anymore this is in the tier of the El Clasico uh stuff that we had in the early 2010s in terms of just pure quality. I know that those teams were were better. I I would say Real Madrid, Barcelona, those are better than Man City and Liverpool, but I would also say it's not that far away either in terms of quality, Uh, both of these teams. And listen, those, you know, the the Arsenal-United rivalry, right, and then, you know, the the El Clasicos that we had during that time period have the gift of hindsight. You know, you have 10 to 25 years of, of kind of narrative and story building. In 15 years, people will talk about, these city and liverpool teams the same way that they talk about those teams um you're never in the moment quite as aware of how good it is uh these two teams have combined for four of the highest point totals in premier league history and top flight history like it's it's unheard of and and they're going at it again at a pace that will probably be high 80s low 90s to win the title Uh, which again is historically a very very strong season and you have two teams again you know, on path for that. I, I think, you know, the awareness should be that these two teams are, are clearly some of the best that we've ever watched in this league.
0: It's funny that you bring up that um idea of like it's not those types of like bitter rivalries, right? Like where, where players leave and and they bring the rivalry on the pitch off the field with them as well. Um uh most notably there's that that uh little clip that went viral online of uh, Kevin De Bruyne in the press conference. And they asked him like, Oh, you were having like a little friendly chat with Virgil van Dyke. What was all that about? And he was like, Our kids go to the same school. Like, yeah, it's a very <laughs> friendly chat. Like we're, we're friends, like <laughs> yeah. so, you know, and, and it's, it's, that's, that's what I think I admire most about this type of rivalry is that, you know, yes, the fans expect people to hate each other the whole time, but The fact that both of these teams can go at it like this and and play at such high quality and be, you know, one of the marquee rivalries in in Europe, because they are the marquee rivalry right now, currently in England, you know, and to to play at the quality that they've been playing, like you said, to both, you know, be putting up high point totals and basically just turning this into a two horse race. There's no other team that's going to catch up to them. So you know to be able to do that and still be cordial between each other like you saw how you know Klopp and uh uh Pep shook hands at the end yeah. of the game too again another thing that went viral because i don't know what Pep was doing <laughs> like <he gasps> it was the most insane dap up i've ever seen in my
1: life i mean but just truly like, really.
0: but you could just see it's like all like i don't want to use the phrase but like it's all good vibes but like like obviously they're going in; they mean business, and you know, they're each of the each of the teams is trying to win a, the trophy and win the league. But you know, at the same time, you know, I think that that adds to the quality because you're not you're not going to get these heated matchups where you're seeing slide tackles flying everywhere, and you know, you bring up Barca and and uh, Real Madrid in the uh, 2010s where like you know, Messi's choking uh, Sergio Ramos and and you know all that kind of stuff. When, People forget those games were marred a lot by red card incidents
1: and yeah. a lot of like uh, scuffles. And That's, while the play itself was was interesting that the, the teams themselves were great. I would never – I'd say the games – a lot of those games were not very high quality like back and forth. And I think part of that is just the nature of, of the managers and the time period. Like things have obviously progressed. I don't want to hold that against them. But uh, you can't tell me that this was not one of the most – like paceful games that you've ever seen. One of the most heart games you have ever seen just constant. I mean, it was, it really was like a game of basketball. And I think I, it's one of the most energy it's, it, and it has been too. It's not like this is the first time we've seen this, the game in October. I think everyone said at the time too, probably game of the season, certainly second half of the season, but the first half wasn't as interesting, but the second half was off the doors. Um, when these two teams are going at the title in eighteen nineteen, uh, that game in January, it's one of the, the highest quality games I've ever seen in my life. Um, I just think that's really a story. The story, too, for me is Kevin De Bruyne, who you mentioned, because he was fantastic in this game, just running the show. Uh, he hasn't maybe gotten the respect he, he deserved. Uh, he's certainly getting after this game, and, and it's it's well-earned. He's had a, a fantastic season. Um, he is—he's one of the the very obvious cogs and, and reasons for for city's success this year. Um, it's strange because you know, like so much of the narrative has been about they don't have a striker, and you know how's that affect their team play? But they found goal contributions from everywhere, De Bruyne included, who's on 11 in the league this year. Um, he had a fantastic, uh, you know, goal um, against. Uh, Atlético Madrid in the Champions League, gets relatively lucky, but you know it. Like you, you make your own luck in those situations by by attempting the shot, putting yourself in good situations. In this one, um, but his passing was was fantastic. I thought. Uh, I thought Liverpool really struggled with City's press, uh, especially for the first 30 minutes. Uh, a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes out of the back from Liverpool. Not not stuff we're used to seeing. Uh, but I, I think again, they settled well into the game. All things considered, you're you're away in a, a, a harsh atmosphere. Uh, against one of the best teams in the world if not the best um, outside of yourselves and you're being put under severe pressure early on not just by the actual like (laughs) the atmosphere and the emotion and the drama of the game but the actual players themselves Mm -hmm. uh really pressing into Liverpool and um, I think they recovered well, and I, I think yeah, the draw is not ideal uh, for for Liverpool's case. Um, and it, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily; it's certainly better for City than it is for Liverpool. But City, I think, were disappointed. You can tell by the mood and the, some of the body language, and even some of the words that Pep had to share. Uh, they really wanted to win because that puts them that would have obviously put them four points clear. And very, very likely that that they're winning the title uh, no matter what you know with that kind of lead because they're they're not really going to surrender that.
0: That this game could have easily been 4-2. You mentioned in his passing. He had this one beautiful pass to Mares to put him through, and it was basically one on one. And Mares just completely missed. I think that one he missed the goal totally. And then the second one, uh, he gets put in with this. I don't I don't even know what kind of pass it was or from who it was, but he had this opportunity to kind of like blast it in, and he ends up trying to like chip it or something. I, I don't even know what's going on. And and you know, uh it could have. It could have. City could have ran away. So I, I, I understand how they could feel disappointed or hard done by the result. Um, it's a beautiful result for Liverpool to be able to keep them in this title race. Because if they, if they were able to lose this game and and City goes goes up with a four point lead, I'm not too sure if City will drop any more points to allow Liverpool any any more ground on trying to overtake them in the league. So. This really opens the opens up that that title race again. And it's yeah. It's very you could sell very, very yourself. You could sell
1: yourself, you know, that city could probably draw a game, maybe even lose, you know, like a, a freak result, right? You know, we obviously don't know if they're gonna advance further in the Champions League. You know, might be that uh, distracts them a little bit. Um it's certainly not that question that they could drop a point or two through the course of the season, you know, or drop one game. In my mind, through seven games, there's no way they're dropping two. And that's what it would yeah. have been had they won. So so it, it is, uh, in some ways, still a good situation for Liverpool. The game itself, though, like Walker impressed me again. His recovery pace is just like such an unbelievable elite thing to have uh, because it makes it so hard to counter them. And Jaquan Cancello, who has had a fantastic year, uh, like just an absolutely killer ball to Gabriel Jesus, who, of course, hadn't scored in 15 games. And then uh, does it in one of the biggest, uh, cause, just because that's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, Liverpool's goals I, I thought were all fantastic, well worked. It, there was those are ones I'll re- be replaying and looking at dissecting for for a long time. Um, and yeah, now like it's it's all to play for <laughs> in the last seven games. Um, Liverpool certainly have the more challenging schedule uh, of the two. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything when you consider, you know, who city have dropped points against this year, you know, crystal Palace, Southampton, aren't exactly, you know, top four contenders. They're not exactly perennial uh, like trophy challengers necessarily. Uh, so they, you know, the points can be dropped against anyone. Um, city obviously have the advantage. I, I would not be shocked at all if they win seven in a row and, and that's it. And it doesn't matter what Liverpool do um, that, that, outcome doesn't surprise me. In fact, that's that's kind of what I'm expecting. Uh I think people have forgotten that this city knows how to clamp down, knows how to put their their foot on the neck and knows how to win under pressure. Uh they did it for two straight months in 1819 to win themselves the title. I see no reason why they can't do it for a month and a half, you know, just to to get them to the finish line. Um they have the hunger, they have the drive, they have the ability uh and, and I think they they should be considered the favorites, but Liverpool will take them close. I, I wouldn't be surprised either if on the final day there's still a chance, right, for them for them to win the title. But um, it, it feels very much in City's hands now.
0: Um, and Twitch chat saying say, it's going to be a Madrid Liverpool final in the UCL. I'd rather not
1: relive that nightmare again. But
0: uh, you know, I'd like to be in the final again. That'd be nice.
1: But they're also saying
0: uh, it's about drive and it's about power. So, <laughs> it is about drive and it's about power. Whoever, whoever's going to win this Premier League title. It's about drive.
1: Yeah. It's about well, what's, what's on the line is not the prize money or the, you know, the immortality of being Premier League champions. It's uh, you get a collab with The Rock on a, on a new <laughs> song. Um, and if you like this game, by the way, these two meet in the FA Cup semi-final this weekend. So Woo! right back at it. Uh, a place uh, in the final at Wembley on the line and that one, and I expect that we'll see a very high-quality match yet again because it's just – that's what you get between these two. Um, elsewhere in the league, you know, it – It's a little bit more of an interesting weekend uh, everywhere else because there's obviously some movement. Uh, Everton, they they beat United 1-0.
2: Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where Streamer Season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on Streamer Season wherever you get your podcasts
1: what can you say about these united performance other than just bad awful stinky (laughs) uh they're terrible um it says a lot that I think Ronaldo smashing a kid's phone afterwards has dominated the headlines because there's literally nothing else to talk about with United except off-the-field drama. Uh, but they were poor, really poor at this game, uh, and it's shocking, too, when you consider how bad Everton have been that they were hardly threatened by United uh, in this one. And Everton, it's a big win, of course, because it, it moves them out of the relegation zone and uh, Burnley lost, so that, that's a lot of gr- uh, ground made up for Everton. They're not safe yet, but uh, that was a huge step towards them uh, staying in the Premier League, which which was a genuine question, you know, after they lost to Burnley. Uh, Spurs out-duel, Aston Villa. I thought this was interesting because Villa really upplayed them in the first half, um, and there's someone I'm going to talk about uh, at the end of this year, it, Mr. Danny Ings, that, that I thought could have done better. But Spurs, Dom, uh, we made, a, again, a, a podcast-friendly bet about uh, Spurs and Arsenal, who would finish higher. You, you took Arsenal. I took Spurs. There was, I would say, a few weeks where part of me was was questioning my judgment why I made that choice. However, however, uh Spurs currently sitting on fifty-seven points, Arsenal sitting on fifty four. Arsenal do have a game in hand, and they still have to play each other on May twelfth. Uh, and that is certainly looming and looking like a good one. But Arsenal, no Kieran Tierney. Uh Partey got injured. It's like a, it's like a little tough because they, they lose to Brighton, they lose to Crystal Palace. Spurs gaining ground. How are we feeling?
0: Very Arsenal-esque right there. That's exact. They win some big games and then you lose to Brighton and you lose to Crystal Palace, which respectively are two teams right above each other in the table. Crystal Palace, 10th, Brighton, 11th. Um, It's – I still think Arsenal are going to do it. Tottenham are just in very good form right now. They've won four – in a row, uh, and it's just, you know, they're going to keep that rolling. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Arsenal and – sorry, I was looking at West Ham. Uh, never mind what I was just about to say. I'm just not going to say it because I'm just going to be wrong. um Yeah, ah, they're going to just do it. I, I'm holding faith up the Arsenal. Come on, you Gunners. You know, I, all the – all the all the things that are, that that the Arsenal fans say on AF TV, you know. So yeah, no, they're in, a, they're in
1: a tough position. They're in a tough position because obviously the squad depth wasn't amazing. Uh, I think that had been pointed out uh, a good amount, and now you have to deal with some injuries, and you have to deal with maybe a, a drop in form at the worst part of your season. Uh, that that has to worry you quite a bit. Uh, and, and they've been, I, I think the crystal palace game they were thoroughly outplayed uh i thought from from start to finish and brighton they were in it but uh we're not able to to convert many of their chances and uh brighton were, were ruthlessly clinical and yeah I, I just i worry about arsenal now because so much of the season at least the, the last month or so really felt like they had turned a corner um and to, to not finish in the champions league places after the season they've had uh i think would be a big blow to them but you know, they'll convince themselves, of course, that they have uh, something good growing and that uh, Arteta is the guy to lead them forward and, and that they have this good young core. And, and there's some big decisions to be made, of course, about that team in the summer. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that race develops. The guy I want to talk about was Danny Ings because, you know, he moves to Aston Villa this summer in a totally surprising move, too, by the way, uh, really came out of nowhere. Uh, was not really rumored at all. Just all of a sudden, he's at Aston Villa, and you think to yourself, "Wow, that's actually a really interesting move for him." Uh, and you know, could be a, a really good one. Uh, he had enjoyed some some good seasons, uh, bounced back from injury at, at Southampton, and uh, you know, played really well. You know, obviously the the nineteen twenty season is the one where he had a really great year uh, with twenty two league goals. But um, you know, he's he's tailed off this season and has not looked himself. Certainly, the confidence gone. There's a few moments in that Spurs game he could have had. Probably two goals at halftime, and I believe if you get Danny Ings from even a, a year ago, uh, you're, you're probably getting goals out of him there. But I wanted to look a little bit at, at some of the stats on, on why he's, you know, if there's something in the stats that tell you maybe why he's not playing as well. And part of it too is you know Aston Villa have had, you know, they have other players that can play in that that striker position that can play in that forward position. I think there's been a lot of movement across that line this year. and It's been hard to find a, a place exactly, but you know if you look at like just even you know, the, uh, the, the shots that he's taking, right. Uh, They're, they're down, especially when you look at like per 90, uh, like the, the shot creating actions, right. So these are things that that can lead to a shot uh, 2.92 per 90 in his 1920 season, 2.37 per 90 last year and 1.3 per 90 this year. Uh, That is way off the mark from, from where he used to be. uh, And honestly, like, it's just not, that's not, good enough, right? That That's not good enough. And he's not taking uh, as many shots. Uh, he's not taking as many shots on target per 90 either. Uh, shots on target per 90 in 1920 was 1.12. Uh, last year was one shot on target per 90. This year is 0. 0.68. Uh, you know, we talked about this with Giovanni Simeone, you know, <laughs> uh, I would say a few weeks, probably a few months ago at this point, and um, that he just wasn't shooting anymore. He had had obviously a really hot start to the season and, and had tailed off. Uh, he answered with a hat trick right after I think we talked about that game. But uh, Danny Ings, I, I think, as if they have to find a way of getting him more involved because he is a fantastic striker. I, I think he is a guy that can provide you, you know, 15 Premier League goals a season. Like he really is that good, and he's shown to be that good. And I, I don't think there's any reason Asif can't get him at that level. Uh, but I think it's going to be one of the big question marks for them this summer. Is is figuring that team out and the structure of it. Uh, there's obviously some questions about Gerard and and how well he's managing them and and how they're going to spend their money, but. I think figuring out Danny Ings and getting him more involved, uh, finding a way to make him a more productive player, like what you, you thought you were getting, is going to be crucial to all of that.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout-out and, and highlight a different player from this game, um, a former Serie A standout, um, who didn't really always get the chance at Juventus, but he, ever since he made this move to Spurs, he has been getting praised by the Tottenham fan base. And that is none other than the Swedish right winger, Dejan Kulusevski gets a goal and an assist in this game. And he is just absolutely lighting the league on fire since he came over. Um, It took him about a game to kind of get used to everything. Uh, People were kind of questioning, like if he made the right move and, and it, starting to look like he is making the right move. I mean, he's always getting involved in the play. He always seems to find some type of goal contribution, whether he's scoring or setting somebody up with an assist. And, you know, the, it's really looking like a, like a impressive, you know, front three attack for Spurs where Harry Kane's kind of pulling the strings and you got these two guys on the, on the wings, kind of bounding forward in Kulusevski and then son who, nets himself a hat trick in this game. So uh, really, really interesting to see what Conte does with the rest of the team Um, coming into the summer and, and where he may, you know, you're starting to see the team. We talked about this before, right? You're starting to see he's getting the players who he wants in the formation that he likes to play. And if he can make a couple signings, Spurs could be a very serious team next season seems like we always say this about Spurs and then something always happens where it doesn't always follow through. But right now, especially with this front three, it, it, it it's looking more probable than, than previous years.
1: Yeah. When you have Conte, I think it, it changes your perspective and your ceiling as well. Uh, having a world-class manager is, is a big part of that. And yeah, kulusevski has been great. That front three has been great. Uh, they've, they've been hitting their form very well. And we've seen this with Conte too. It's, it's, very rarely instant with him. Uh, it took him a full season with Inter before he he really got them playing the way he wanted to. And there was you know, squad issues there, too, that he had to kind of uh, mend. But you saw this even with his Chelsea team. Uh, it took him a few months before they started uh, playing in the way that he wanted, and they cruised to the title uh, once they did. It's not inconceivable to me that Spurs will finish the season very strongly and the, the, they can make some some good positive decisions in the market this summer you know especially if they secure Champions League games next year that'll be big for them and uh, it's clearly a huge target for them uh yeah I, I am curious to see Spurs uh, you know I, I mentioned it with Spurs and Arsenal really curious to see other seasons finish up because both teams have so much riding on, on getting back in the Champions League and it does seem like with United falling off that it is going to be one of Spurs and Arsenal um and, and again both of them have a huge huge incentive to, to to make that fourth spot so that North London Derby it always has a ton attached to it. It's going to have even more attached to it. It's going to be one of the more meaningful ones that we've had in a very long time, uh, simply because of you know it's, it's it doesn't have title implications. But getting back in the Champions League, uh, securing that funding and securing that status is, is is a huge huge mark of success and is what both teams are after. Um, let's move to Italy, right? Let's let's get on to, to Napoli two, Fiorentina three. Uh, this was a, a very frustrating game if you're a Napoli fan, of course, because uh, you could have gone top of the table with a win here. Fiorentina coming into this one in really good form uh, and have played well this season, which we'll highlight a little bit later. But uh, you're at home. Napoli have not done well at home, surprisingly enough. Uh, they're 9-2-5 and five at home. Uh, not the type of record that, that you're looking for, especially for, for a title-winning team. And uh, just got outplayed on the break quite a bit by Fiorentina, uh, who, were, who were very clinical on the day. And Napoli, you know, we I think we've levied this criticism at them a few times this season. Um, offensively, it sometimes just feels like play through to Ossiman and hope that he makes something happen. And he did this game. Uh, He creates uh, the goal for Mertens and then uh, scores the goal late on to, to make it a hope that they could at least rescue a point. But um, Napoli, I I think, again, this is, this is something that's just disappointed me a little bit with them this season is have not been able to take advantage of these big games, these big moments. Uh, They've lost quite a few of these and haven't quite performed to the level that, that we wanted them to.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of disappointing, right? We started the season out praising how good their defense was and how well they were playing, and they dealt with some injuries, and and it just seemed like now, now is where they're starting to dip. You predicted that after you know the holiday break when they came back in the new year they were going to dip. It took a couple more months for that to start to happen. Now it looks like um, they dropped two games in their last six. Right? They're not even. It's either a win or a loss. They're not. They're not drawing any games. I mean, they still have one of the lowest goals allowed amounts in the league. The only team that I can see off the quick view that has less is Inter, who, rightfully so, are tied on points with them now. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, you really do see that, right? It seems like they seem to rely on OCN a little too much and and you know although he is a quality player and he can he can get things done for you he needs support he needs he needs more players you know being quality on the ball and off the ball and and opening up space and and you know it, it's kind of questionable with with Napoli and their performances right now you know yeah. you got a captain like Lorenzo Insigne who he has to score from open play all season, literally all season. He has only scored from the penalty spot. That's one of the biggest blemishes on their season this year. If he was, you know, the Lorenzo Insigne were used to seeing where he's scoring and he's, he's you know, being that electric player down the left wing, who knows? Napoli's season could be a little bit different. But, you know, you've got a, a, a position – competition over on the right-hand side. Do you play Politano? Do you play Lozano? You know, you've got inconsistencies in form with both of those guys too. You know, Politano could go out one week and score a beautiful goal like he did in the last game. But then maybe if they play him the second game, that, you know, he doesn't do that same stuff. So maybe they go with Lozano, see what he can do. And, you know, he, he maybe I think he set up O.C. Men's goal – if i'm not mistaken who who assisted I'll, I'll bring it up actually i was gonna say who assisted uh that was mario rui excuse me
1: yeah it was a uh, ball over the top that was even yeah. And- yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> The
2: Get in the Whole Podcast, hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get in the Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf, releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: But Fiorentina, man. They played one of the greatest games of all season that they've played. I mean, it took Ikone almost all season to get a goal. His first goal in Serie A, but well taken. Arthur Cabral's goal. Fantastic. What, Fantastic. what a talent that they just signed, right? And and if he can continue that kind of play, they're going to have a great, you know, replacement for Vladovic. Yeah. Um, So... You know, Fiorentina is still keeping it up even though they lost their top striker and that was one of the things we were questioning, right? You lose one of the hottest young talents in European football, you know, is is his replacement going to be able to get the job done? He did. He did. I and mean, yeah. it looks like he he's going to continue to do that for Fiorentina. So, you know, I'm really excited to see where they go from here because they've got a nice young team. They've got they've got the right pieces in the right spots and this could this could be a team that could be competing for european spots in, in a season
1: and, i mean even now they are but yeah, yeah it's interesting because Fiorentina in 2018 famously spoiled napoli's title hopes um it's not quite as dramatic as that one but it, it kind of does feel <laughs> a little similar another player that that was fantastic this game and, and has been uh, in his his debut season is nico gonzalez um, mm-hmm. definitely one of the signings of the season for me. He, he, I don't think win it, but, um, four goals, six assists, really just fantastic stuff. I have liked what I've seen out of him this year. And yeah, you, you talked about Napoli's defense and, and I went and looked, um, their last clean sheet was February 6th against Venezia, uh, who are, you know, down, down near the bottom of the league. And then, so they had, uh, uh 12 clean sheets in 2021, uh, for this season, right? Not for the calendar year, but this season in 2021, they've only had three so far in 2022. Uh, they've really fallen off uh, defensively, uh, you know, early in the year, there was, you know, they're going a month without conceding a goal. And now, you know, they're going months with with without a clean sheet, you know, like it's it's a total reversal in how they've played. And they have they've faltered a little bit in the second half of the season, which is uh, really disappointing. The home record is what's really disappointing to me, too, because you would think that the, the Maradona would be a fortress of a place, but that hasn't been the case for a lot of Italian teams this year either. Uh, if you look across the board, most Italian teams have not had distinct home advantages, maybe like you'd expect um, part of that could be uh, for, for large parts of the season, you've had attendance issues, right? You've had uh, attendance restrictions um, on some of the games. Um, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it it is a little disappointing that some of these teams haven't made uh, better better use of the fact to, uh, that home should be a, a big advantage for you?
0: Well, you saw it with Milan last year, right? They, yeah. they were playing very well away. And, and they seemed, still are. They're 11-4-1 yeah. away from home this season, 9-4-3 at home. <laughs> their, their, their their first half of the season was most of their away games. Then they started playing home, and they had a god-awful away record, and they missed out on the league, right? They they They, they had it. They could have ran away with it and they decided not to enter, then ends up taking over and running away with the league themselves. And Milan has to finish second. So uh it's gonna be interesting to see how Napoli can maybe turn the tides and, and get back into this race because Milan is leaving this thing wide open yet again. Yeah,
1: yeah that's that's the good news for if you're Napoli, if you're any yeah. of these title contenders, is that uh, everyone's been slipping up. It's not like you know, this has been, uh, you know, just a fast moving train, it's stopped plenty of times, and you can get back on. And and you know, we we thought Inter might have fallen off a little bit, they're right back in it with their win. Uh, even Juventus, who lost to Inter, and we thought, there it is, you know, that's that's it for them. They're four points behind, you know, the, the pack now, I like, hate it, that it's so only, much. they're only six points behind uh milan who, who have been dropping points quite a bit and have certainly their offense has stalled for, for large parts of 2022 so far so um the title race is wide open uh you, you, what else is wide open too is the the golden boot in italy immobile uh, goes top scorer this weekend with a hat trick Um, Lazio continue just the the Jekyll and Hyde approach uh, but they found themselves in sixth place they're they're in European qualification spots now Um, they'll be duking out with with fellow Roman uh, team of course Roma and Fiorentina and Atalanta well of course uh, hopefully you know for them at least uh, be be putting themselves back in that spot Uh, Juventus came back to beat Cagliari 2-1 again just applying some Potential pressure, but mostly just you know, ensuring that they're, they're going to stay in those top four spots. That's that's the big goal for Juventus this season. I'd say anything else, a uh, Coppa Italia is maybe a bit extra for them. But um, And you mentioned it, Milan opening the door, another nil-nil draw, really frustrating from them. Uh, Torino, just a, a tough team to play this year. They, they, they've been a really fascinating watch. And Inter put themselves right back in the conversation. They win 2-0 over Hellas Verona. They still have this game in hand. Uh, which which would if they win put them top of the table uh, and obviously leave things totally in their control. And I will say this too: this was one of the better Inter uh, performances I've seen. Uh, you know, really, again, since the new year, <laughs> I think they they've been largely just not the same team that that we had grown accustomed to. Um, outside of like that Salernitana game where, where they thumped them, um, which to me is just you know you should be beating the the very bottom of the league. But uh, Inter, if they can get back to this level uh that they showed in parts of this game it, it it is their title because i i don't really trust milan right now that we have not been consistent enough for me i felt that coming into you know out of the winter break the answer would would really push on for this title and they, they slipped up a bit but um if they can find that consistency again i i really think this is this is open for inter now
0: yeah it's very inter is starting to concern me as a milan fan um the they're in wonderful form uh they're 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 actually in very similar form to milan right now only their draws happened earlier in their last six games than milan getting them in their most more recent games um so you know in inter a rolling right and, and you see it in their play uh they're, they're always threatening in front of goal they're scoring goals and, and that's something that you need to do if you need to win the league. I mean, that's obvious, right? That's, not, that's nothing new for anybody to you know realize. Uh, Milan isn't doing that at all. It's, it's looking terrible. They have no quality number 10. You know, they're playing Salamachers there now over Brahim Diaz, who, you know, I was singing his praises earlier. In the season and now it's kind of he just you know fell off he we can't have- get separation anymore i don't no. know what it is but he know.
1: he can't get away from defenders no. which was one of his his better skills he can't do that and i i don't know what happened to him
0: there's no number seven you know there, yeah. there, there's nothing on the right it's all Raphael Al, and and jerud really can't do much because he's not getting proper service Right. Really, I would say the
1: issues for Milan, and this this is hindsight, the benefit of it, but coming in this season with Ibra and Jarud as your like main strike force is a mistake. Um yeah. Ibra can't be, you know, listen, like I know that he has defied a lot of the odds and he's obviously a historic career, one of the best forwards I've ever seen. But um to depend on him at forty for I don't know that they came into the season expecting a title race, but they certainly felt that they should and and would be challenging for top four. Uh, That was the level they aspired to be. And I would also make the case that if you think you're good enough for top four, you should also be good enough to win a title. You know, Mm -hmm. especially coming into the Serie A season, there was no definitive answer for who was going to win this year. I I think a a lot of people, if you pulled five people, I think they would have given you maybe three or four different answers. Um, You know, and and Milan probably would have even been one of them because they did have a, a bit of a title challenge last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it was a bit of a mistake for them, uh, coming into the season, not having that reliable finisher, but also you know, finances were tough. I think they, they, you know, certainly prioritized keeping some of this core together, um, keeping some of the Teo Hernandez there, right? Like that, that's important. Uh, signing Mike Magnon after losing uh, Donnarumma, um, trying to get Kessie to, to re sign, and, and that doesn't seem to have worked, but you know, they tried to keep some of their big pieces together and reevaluate reshuffle uh, a little bit on the fly. And I think they deserve credit for still being in the position that they are when you consider they really haven't spent uh, all that much money. I um, mean, this, this feels like they're almost a little bit of head, maybe a season or two ahead of perhaps where they expect it to be. Um, but it, it is still frustrating in the moment when you watch them just yeah. completely unable to score yeah.
0: goals. Um, and that that's, that's not going to win you a title. I don't think. Yeah. I, I've, I've sang my praises for Maldini with what he's been able to do with, with what he has with the club. Um, And, you know, obviously the Milan rumor mill is now on fire again, you know, because they're back quote unquote. So um, I don't know really what to believe. Some things have a little more, you know, structure behind them than others. Uh, It seems like they're going to kind of address certain areas of need. But, uh, you know, like you said, signing Manyan was one of the biggest, you know, decisions and best decisions that they could have made. Getting Teo to re-sign instead of going to the Prem or going to back to Real Madrid or something like that was another huge decision. Um, so, you know, getting Tenali to stay over uh, was really good as well. Um, so, you know, they, they, they're they starting to have some of those pieces, right? You got Rafael So So, you, you know. Go after a striker, go after somebody who can, you know, add depth into the midfield, go after somebody who can play on the right and you'll be set. You know, Simon Kier is coming back. So hopefully that adds a little bit of structure and leadership into the back line um, because it has looked a little shaky at times and maybe a rotation is necessary. I don't like the fact that Tomori came off wincing a little bit at the end yeah. of the game. Uh, so, Maybe there may be some knee issues again with him, and and I don't really like the thought of that, you know, and having to play, uh, Gavia, uh in such a critical point in the season. So, yeah. uh, you know, there, there's some good news or some bad news. It's going to be tough. We, we've got a we've got a tight, very entertaining race in Syria. Like, if you're somebody who doesn't watch the league, tune in now and pick a team and and. You know, see what's going on or watch it neutrally. You know, because even a team like you mentioned earlier, Juventus, they're like Real Madrid. You you have to see them buried <laughs> underground. Yeah, absolutely. In three cars. Domestically,
1: at least. Domestically, yeah. at least. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Yes, 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 yes,
0: yes, yes. Because European don't just bottle, they're, they're bottle masterclass.
1: Speaking of history, let's let's look a little bit uh, of historical tables. It's one of my favorite things to do is to go back. We did this earlier in the year. uh, I'd say maybe like two or three months into the season, just to see how teams were progressing early on compared to their starts uh, the prior season. And now, you know, we're we're near the end stages. uh, You know, only seven games, eight games, depending on. You know, obviously, and I'll mention this too, and I'll mention it when I'm reading off some of these numbers, but some of these teams have played a game or two less or one game more because we've obviously had some COVID pauses this year, which weren't as much of an issue, if you can believe it, last year um, because of the, the spread of Omicron, especially in, in the Premier League, delayed a lot of games. But uh, we'll start with England, some of the historic table differences. If you don't understand what I'm doing, I'm looking at the table this year. Uh, I, for England, I cut it off at the 31st game week. Uh, some teams don't necessarily have 31 games played or have 32. I'll mention that when I mention them. But um, And then looking at it compared to last year. So what are their points looking like difference-wise? Uh, uh, we'll start with Manchester United, who are 12 points worse this time uh, as compared to last year. Last year, they had 63 points uh, after game week 31. This year, they have 51 points. Feels bad, uh, especially when you've you've obviously moved on from Solskjaer and now you've had this year where you spent a lot of money and expected to be better expected to be you know probably challenging for a title and they're actually much worse much much worse um leicester minus 16 uh compared to last season last season they were at 56 uh they're at 40 this year they do have two less games played they're only at 29 um but the way that they have played this year i I wouldn't expect them to get three yeah three points from both of those games. And even then it would still be a, a 10 point difference uh, from where they were last season. That's that's surprising. I think they were on the surprises of the season in terms of just, uh, we really expected them, I think to improve and, and again, get better. And that's just been the way that they've, they've gone over the last few years. Hasn't been the case. They have had a lot of injury problems in, in their defense, but uh, I did find that one interesting, the biggest, the biggest margin, probably not a shock when you consider uh, how bad they've been this, this year, we highlighted them early, earlier earlier everton minus 21 uh 49 points this time last year they're on 28 this season uh they, they have played one less game they've only played 30 but uh, again the way they've played this season uh i don't know that you would guarantee three points out of their next game uh, to make that only 18 points worse um again this is this is a, a huge drop off in performance and you know it's, it's tough because they had obviously weren't able to spend a lot of money this summer. Um, there's no guarantees that this summer they'll be able to spend, uh, all that much more, uh, when you consider their, their financial situations. And it's, it's not looking great for Everton, although they, they have taken a big step towards not being relegated at least, um, Funnily enough, uh, staying in Liverpool, Liverpool at plus 21 compared to this time last year, last year, they're on 52 points. Remember this was really the depths of their injury crisis is before they turned it around and, uh, won pretty much every game at the end of the season to get them back in the champions league. Uh, they were on 52, they're on 73 this year. Uh, so a huge, huge improvement for Liverpool. It turns out having healthy center backs actually matters. Who knew? I, uh, that's crazy. Um, Arsenal are at plus nine this season. Uh, they had 45 points uh, this time last year. They're, they're sitting at 54 with one less game. So, um, you know, there, there's been some criticism. I, I think there's been some some intrigue about Arsenal. They are moving in a positive direction. Um, should they win that game in hand, that, that's plus 12 uh, on, on last year's total. That's a really good, uh, a really good trend, I would say, and uh, something that would make me happy personally as an Arsenal fan uh, to see that continue. Spurs are at plus eight. Uh, they're at, they were at 49 this time last year. They're at 57. So again, Spurs, uh, despite even the really tough start with Nuno and Kane, not playing at his very best, have turned that around in the second half of the season, looking a lot better. And speaking of Nuno wolves at plus 11, they were at 38 this time last year, they're at 49. Uh, they have played one more game. So they have a slight advantage on that, but still really impressive from wolves. When you consider, uh, some of the players that they lost and then their manager, um, The fact that they've they've retooled in the way that they have is is I think really really impressive. Deserves a lot of praise. Wolves.
0: Did you mention Brighton? What was Brighton? Uh,
1: So some of these teams uh, really haven't shifted much at all. Uh, Brighton, I believe, I I think were maybe a a few points different. I really only wanted to highlight the ones that uh, were dramatic Dramatic, uh, shift. Brighton this time last year were sitting at thirty three points. This season, let me just look up the table really quick um so last season they're at 33 this season they are sitting at 37 um that's good i mean you know it's but that to me is not uh notable when you consider for some reason
0: i thought for some reason i thought they had that's that is what's funny that is what's funny
1: is you know some of these teams you know like crystal palace right if in a team that i think a lot of people talk positively about uh they're actually a point worse um now you could say the the Performances from Crystal Palace have been a lot better, and I think the expectations for Crystal Palace coming this season, a lot of people I I think would probably would have considered them to to be a relegation candidate. uh, Whereas instead, they they've really turned on really good performances, really good uh, style of play under Vieira, um, and they've they've made a kind of uh, tonal shift, especially when you consider the the kind of players that they're they're employing now. But yeah, they're actually a point worse (laughs) than they were last year. But um, I think most Crystal Palace fans say they prefer this team over last year's team because of obviously the the growth and the potential that they have now. Um, so yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit misleading, right? The way we feel about teams. And in fact, the performances uh, can really influence how we feel, but then you look at the point totals and it's actually, I don't know, not that different. <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, they're, they're kind of in the same spot they were uh, as last season. Uh, Brighton's big hindrance, I think is that they, they just, don't have that reliable goal scorer of course uh, which sounds funny when you know they'd beaten arsenal this past weekend but um lewis duck was their only goal scorer for like six games before that so you know what i, I think the it still stands um let's move to italy and, and look at some of the, the the shifts there uh the big one i, I don't think is going to be any surprise anyone who's watched Serie A this season or watched the last few years atalanta are 14 points worse this season uh, they were at 65 at this stage last year they are at 51 now they have played one less game. I stopped Syria at 32 because most teams had played 32 games already. Um, Atalanta, you know, we've highlighted it so much. They've also scored, I wanted to look at this, they scored 20 less goals so far this year. They're at 73 last year. Um, you know, we know that they had been a team that had hit 100 goals, seasons uh, for a few years. Um, not going to get close to that, I, I don't think, this year, unless something really crazy happens on the stretch. But
0: Atalanta's drop-off has been noticeable. It's almost like getting rid of your – Argentinian goal scorer
1: uh, or not having Duvan Zapata or Robin uh, <laughs> Gerson's uh, Ilicic uh, available, unavailable again for a lot of this season. Um, yeah. Just a lot of, a lot of shifting, you know, Christian Romero this year not either, uh, who added a lot of stability at the back. It's a huge shift for Atalanta. Um, and I, I think lens created a lot of what we talked about that. This is a, a real turning point for them, probably as a club, as a team. Uh, Sampdoria, 13 points worse. Uh, they are 42 this time last year. They're at 29. They've, they've fallen off for sure. Um, they don't seem like they, they seem relatively safe from the drop uh, when you consider just how bad the, the bottom three have been this year, uh, but they could still get sucked into that. They, they've had uh, quite a bad season, I would say. Uh, Genoa, uh, 11 points worse. Uh, they were 33 they're at 22 this year uh seemed like a team that is destined for the drop and they obviously experimented with shevchenko It failed um they've just not been scoring goals too many draws uh genoa are in a really tough position and this one might make you happy dom i'm honestly not sure uh enter 10 points worse they're at 76 this time last year they're at 66 although they have played one less game but you know when you consider that um Really, a lot of the top teams in Italy are having very similar seasons. Like I think Milan are only two points better than they were at this stage last year, but yet they are leading the table. Um, just goes to show that really there just hasn't been the one more dominant team in Serie A this year, uh, which has allowed a lot of th- those teams to to be competitive. The biggest improvers by far in Serie A, and it's, it's no surprise when you consider uh, who they had for half the season, Fiorentina at plus 20. They were on 33 points this time last year. They're at 53, and that's with one less game played, so they, they could improve on that total. Uh, Torino at plus seven, uh, which I really want to highlight because they were relegation candidates for a good chunk of last year. It really didn't seem like they were going to stay up until they got saved uh, by Yarch, and uh, they were at 32 points at 39 this season, also with one less game played, so they could make that look even better. Uh, you know, But – I always like to look at the historical table. I don't know if, if people enjoy it as much as I do, but I like to see how teams have actually progressed by the numbers, uh, year on and year, or you know, <laughs> regressed as as we've seen with some of these teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, one one thing that you point out is that Milan is is very similar. Consistency is a big thing, right? If you can if you can stay that consistent over the course of a few seasons, that bodes well for your success in the you know next few years right as long as you can build a team inter it's very you know amazing just you know you said the the fact that a lot of these teams are having way different seasons and inters 10 points lower than where they were at at this point last year and only two points off the lead right And kind of goes to show how they really did run away with the league last year where they just had yeah. this immaculate form and just you know ran away with it uh but you know when you have teams that are consistent or you have teams that have these crazy runs of form you know you're you're in for an interesting season um i think this is this is definitely one of the most entertaining serial seasons that we've had in a long time
2: we all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons but what if i told you The fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri and Harrison Cremins as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast. Talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast
1: Network. If Inter don't have that rough February, uh, they probably are, you know, five, six points clear at the yeah. top, uh, yeah. which is turning to is uh, Milan have definitely been better defensively uh, this point last year. They had conceded 38 goals uh, this year. I believe they're at uh, yeah, they're at twenty nine twenty nine. 29. So that's, you know, nine goals different is, is that's a huge improvement. Um, My for nine. Them. Yeah. It, honestly, and I think Tamori's development, too, has been a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I think the midfield has been a little more sorted this year, too. Um, a, a lot of areas of improvement for Milan, which is important to them. Shall we just talk really briefly about Champions League? Because we know at least uh, two of the finalists now for the Champions League today. Uh, Villarreal, shockingly, beat Bayern Munich. Um, I would love to meet the man who genuinely predicted this, not as a bit. Uh, but really thought this would happen because I think most people had, myself included, uh, Bayern Munich in the next round. As no discredit to Villarreal, but I, I really felt that Bayern were, were the better team. And Villarreal win. Uh, Unai Emery, fantastic manager. I think getting a, a lot more respect, a lot more praise today. As a result, uh, this guy in Europa League is not easy to win. It's a fantastic tournament. It's a very hard one to win. Uh, has made that just his bread and butter. And now, I guess, is going for the Champions League now. <laughs> he's he's going to upgrade. But uh, Villarreal, fantastic performance. Again, um, showed a lot of maturity. And it's just it's amazing, right? And, and this is why we, we don't want the Super Leagues and things like that. Because these are the types of performances, the types of ties that we want. We want to see teams like Villarreal going to the semifinal of the Champions League, winning the Europa League. Like That's good, ultimately, for the sport. Um, so congratulations to, to Unai Emery and Villarreal for upsetting Bayern Munich, who it's frustrating, right? Because Nagelsmann obviously comes in, there's a lot of expectation for him. And he has, I, I would say, not, not quite lived up to that expectation. Um, and he's also a manager that has not performed particularly well in Europe, uh, which is really where Bayern want to be improving and, and winning more, right? Um, domestically, we know that the year in, year out, they're, they're more than likely going to be winning the Bundesliga. But what they really want to be doing is semifinals of Champions League every year, you know, winning Champions League uh, as often as they can, or at least making it into the deep stage of the tournament. This is a guy that has not typically been able to do that uh, at other clubs that he's been at. Now he is young. He's going to improve, probably grow from this, but there have been issues with with Bayern this season that I I wonder how they'll they'll address. There's some Lewandowski drama. Uh, We'll see how much of that uh, comes to fruition, of course, but, um, you know, We'll, we'll we'll save that for another time. That'll, that'll be a summer transfer episode, I think. Uh, Real Madrid 2, Chelsea 3, but Real Madrid 5, Chelsea 4 on aggregate. So Real Madrid advance. They are truly the zombie team. Um, hit them with the shovel as many times as you like. You have to put the stake through their heart. I tried ch- telling Chelsea that. They didn't get my message in time. Um, they go 3-0 up in this, and it feels like this is Perfect. their
0: opportunity. Karim yeah. Benzema is having a renaissance of a year, man. He is just absolutely in incredible form right now for them.
1: Yeah, he's he's been one of the best players in the world, uh, really the last two seasons now, mm-hmm. but his entire career, when you consider it. He goes to Real Madrid in 2009, by the way, and he was great for Lyon uh, and has just had this <laughs> spectacular career. And uh, really capping off now, uh, Madras just passed to, uh, to Rodrigo. Beautiful, just one of the just one of the most inch perfect outside of the foot. It's just unbelievable pass. I, I
0: saw somebody online talk about you know it's kind of incredible. We talk about the longevity of you know guys like Messi and Ronaldo and stuff like this, but you know it goes it goes without saying that like Modric has been quality for a very very long time, and we haven't seen a dip in that quality really. He's thirty six, and and he's still <laughs> he's playing. 36 like
1: like this it's just absolutely incredible instrumental yet again uh Luka Madryx. so uh Real Madrid and Villarreal through to the semi-finals on the opposite side of the bracket of course so uh they will await uh Villarreal will await either Benfica Liverpool uh, who play tomorrow and Real Madrid get either Manchester City or Atletico Madrid either one is going to be fantastic i would say um Real Madrid they didn't play particularly well across this entire Champions League knockouts, I would say, honestly. Um, you can make the case that for large stretches against PSG, they were the worst team. Uh, and you can make the case, and I, I think it's a really true one, that for, for large stretches against Chelsea, they weren't particularly amazing. Yet, and I, and this has become a show staple, you have to show me the Real Madrid body before I believe it. They, they, And I don't like to speak too much in cliches, but there truly is. There truly is. There's something about this team that feels inevitable in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It it really does. And I, I think, I, I really do think there's something to that. I do think there's something to, especially when you consider the core of this team has been for a lot of those champions league runs. It's not like it's just, Oh, the history of Real Madrid is to, to be good. But, um, this, this team is special when it comes to champions league. And I, I have to say like, it scares the hell out of me because as, as a fan of a team that might face them and potentially in a final, right. Even, uh, the idea of having to come up against this team, which out of nowhere, I can pull these like pieces of magic and, uh, is, is never dead in that moment is, is working. So. Dom that's it, buddy. That's all we got.
0: Uh, if, if you don't mind, I I do have something. I'm going to share my screen real quick. All right. Uh, don't show these. Okay, cool. So, um, I am going to share this now check this out. So, Um oh this isn't oh boy this isn't working missing eleven yeah all right so uh missing eleven this is today's it's real madrid's one one draw against Chelsea I mean some of these are pretty easy right we can find we can pretty much figure out these guys right here right if it's five this should be cruz cruz this should be Modric this be Casemiro? Yes. This is Benzema. Is- this is an easy
1: missing 11, I should say. Yeah, this is Courtois. Let me try to spell it right. Um, <laughs> the Belgian spelling has you in hell right now. <laughs> no, buddy. No, Ramos. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, David Alaba, perhaps.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: No. No. Uh, A maybe. is in the right spot. Hold on. Na- A. Oh. A. Uh, there's
1: Nacho an o in it. Nacho. My man
0: really said Ramos.
1: <laughs> hate to see it.
0: Um, I forgot what uh this is 2021. Yeah, I'm an idiot. So um who's their other striker?
1: Other striker. Uh, it could be uh no uh Vinicius or Valverde played uh up like on the wing a well, little bit. Well it's today. two words, one's eight and one's six. So one's eight, one's six. I don't know if that's just like
0: yeah, I think it's junior. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's Valverde probably.
1: No, that could be
0: Carnival Hull. Yeah. Yeah, so they're playing what, like a, kind of like a five, a five back? I mean, really, they played a,
1: they played like a a four, three, three today, but.
0: Uh, who was their left back
1: then? Uh i believe mindy i don't remember if he came on as a sub or if he started though well, it's seven uh, letters. seven mar i don't marcello but i don't know i can't remember if he started or not
0: uh, yeah, i feel like it has to be right
1: yeah, yeah. and then at the back uh one of those has to be Alaba.
0: how many letters is that no we got six letters and we have seven letters Okay, so not Alba then.
1: No, Alba. Alba definitely started.
0: Who are their other center backs though on the roster? Why can't I think of their center backs?
1: There's Alba. Uh, Militao was suspended, so he couldn't play today.
0: Um, yeah, but no, this is this is back when they played Chelsea in the Champions League. This from isn't today, right? No, 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 no. Right. Oh, then There's Millie 4-1. Town.
1: Oh, this is... 4 seven twenty twenty one. 2021 Okay, so this is the first leg.
0: Oh, last year. Last year. Oh. But this one may be... Uh, six from last...
1: Okay, this whole time I was thinking from today. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no <laughs> oh, no, no, my goodness. No, I was no, like, this no, is no, an no. easy one. No, no, no. Uh, Six letters... Uh,
0: which is why I was like Ramos but no Ramos was still not there six letters center back six letters center back my chat is saying Mendy but that's not that's, not that's five letters, letters. Sixth letter. Who is? Who else?
1: Easy one. We should have had that. rough of a uh, no,
0: we're not thinking.
1: We're he not goes United, and he just he gets memory hold for us. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We got it. We did. We did a missing eleven. There we Woo-hoo! go. Easy. Easy easy mode easy Easy. mode, my friend uh dom anything to say before we get
0: out of here tonight follow us on uh follow us on twitter uh follow me on twitch at harry eight unless you're watching on my twitch channel right now shout out to the eight people on my twitch channel watching right now um follow matt on twitter at matt Casarina. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Wash Lifestyle. You can see that down low. Uh, shout out to Bino Ball for sponsoring the podcast. Bino right? Board. Excuse me. Bino Board. All right. Um, I was actually just checking out their website. I had it up on the screen while you were saying the, uh, saying the, uh, the ad. Looks actually pretty cool. I may have to get myself one. Cool. So... Um, Well, Don, I don't know if you know this. You can use our code
1: BinoUSP for 10% off your order. So there you go. Look at that down
0: there. Get that. Um, Yeah, other than that, be smart. Stay safe. Don't do anything stupid.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a hot one tomorrow. So, uh, you know, put that sunscreen on, baby. And don't be afraid to show up those legs a little bit with the shorts, fellas. Five inch inseam all summer, Five inch inseams. And honestly, five inches is a little too long for my liking three inches only i like my shorts like that's a true runner i like my shorts like i like my orders of bourbon whiskey three fingers that's it baby (laughs) with that we will get out of here i hope you enjoy the games this week champions league europa league premier league fa cup whatever otherwise and we will see you next week until then bye